Everyone was watching Jesus closely to see if he would heal the man on the Sabbath, giving them a reason to accuse him of breaking Sabbath rules. Jesus said to the man with the paralyzed hand, stand here in the middle of the room. Man, I'll preach that in a minute. Then he turned to all those gathered there and said, which is it? Is it against the law to do evil on the Sabbath or to do good, to destroy a life or to save one? But no one answered him a word. There's some smart people most of the time. <laughs> then looking around at everyone, Jesus was moved with indignation and grieved by the hardness of their hearts and said to the man, now stretch out your hand. And he stretched out his hand. It was instantly healed. After this happened, the Pharisees left abruptly. Religion always leaves the room quickly when Jesus shows up. Oh, God in heaven, I want to preach that right now. <laughs> That's not even in my notes. <laughs> he left abruptly and began to plot together with the friends and supporters of Herod Antipas. You've got to be careful who your friends are. They may be connected to people that don't have your best interest at hand. Her supporters of Herod Antipas on how they would kill Jesus. Father, I want to ask you to help me preach today. Help me preach with clarity of your word. Help me to preach with authority and anointing so that those who hear would leave today saying, I know Jesus better than when I walked in. In Jesus' name, amen. The Sistine Chapel is one of the most famous rooms in the world, in, in, Vatican, in the Vatican. And the Sistine Chapel is where they actually vote for the new pope. This is where the great piece of art of Michelangelo's creation is painted on the ceiling. Do you know that it took them 14, or it took Michelangelo 14 years to paint the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel? That one creation portrait took 14 years for this man to paint. Excuse me, let me back that up. It took him four years to paint the Sistine Chapel, but during the restoration process, it took them 14 years to restore what only took four years to create. The reason it would take all this time is because of the dust, because of the exposure of certain lights, because of the, the many candles that would burn in this, in this Catholic epicenter. And the smoke would rise to the ceiling from all of the candles and it would put this soot all over this beautiful painting that a man that God had given this man to originate to put on the ceiling of his creation. So it took them 14 years to restore one thing that took four years to create. Because here's what I can tell you about the process of restoration. We are in week three of redo. And we're talking about restoration in our life. Here's what I can tell you about restoration. Restoration always takes longer than creation. It took him four years to create, 14 to restore. See, some of us are wondering why your restoration's taking longer. Because restoration takes longer than the creation of a thing. It took your mom and daddy just a couple of minutes to have a creation. It took you just a few years to get into the mess that you find yourself in now. I've always said, how long has your marriage been falling apart? They said, since the day we were married. 
you've been married 10 years, yes, it's going to take you that long to get out of it. Not out of the marriage, but restored into a healthier marriage. But we have this idea that restoration is supposed to be instantaneous. We have this idea that restoration... Why? Because we see the creation of the world, whether we believe it literally or poetically, the Bible gives it to us in six days. But it's being restored for the last 2,200 years. Did you get that? Is that too much? We see a six-day creation, but 2,200 years for Jesus to try to get this thing right, and He's still working on it. You see, restoration in and of itself is messier than the making. Y'all, I'm coming down your road today. Restoration is messier than the making. Restoration is frustrating and time-consuming. Particularly when you look at the other person as your project. Restoration takes more that initially invested. You could buy a 1965 Mustang for $3,500, but to, in, to, to restore it, well, so you think a wedding is expensive, try years of fighting and therapy and tell me how much that cost you. You know you're in a southern church when people say it, Jesus. <laughs> Not Jesus, it's Jesus. Am I helping anybody so far? We get, we're understanding how restoration works? You see, the restoration of a car will reveal more than you bargained for. Have you ever noticed you only see one or two pictures of the before and after? If they were to take all the pictures of each step of the restoration, can you imagine the amount of photos you would have to look through? Because here's what happens when you start restoring an automobile. I've never done this before, so I've just heard about it. And I probably never will. I can tell you right now, I won't. There is no probably. I will hire somebody to do it. Amen. <laughs> Because every time you get down to that, take a layer of the paint off, you'll find that maybe there was a little bit of rust that you didn't bargain for. You didn't count on the rust being there. Maybe there was a hole in the metal that you could not see from standing far off. Maybe the piece of wood that you were sanding has to have a knot worked out of it a little bit more than what you bargained for. Why? Because restoration will always be deeper than what you initially had in planned on. Restoration reveals deterioration before it reveals reconciliation. I'm talking about people now, not cars. You see, restoring a house takes months, even sometimes years. But we've been so used to move that bus. <laughs> <laughs> You don't know that television show. We don't know what social coma you've been living in. <laughs> we think flip a house is our reality. But honey, when Jesus flips your house upside down, it doesn't take a day or a week. It'll take you years to get through what he's doing. 
Because Jesus is more concerned about your process than your performance. There's unseen issues in these houses. One of those unseen issues as we find is termites. Yeah? Can I tell you what termites are in the Bible? Legalism. Legalism is the termite of restoration. What is legalism, Matt? Well, I'm going to give you my definition. Legalism is my attempt to keep the rules to make God happy. Legalism is man's best attempt to get to God. Legalism says you've screwed up way too much. There's no way that God will accept you on Sunday morning in worship. And that's why on Sunday morning it feels better to sit on your hands than it does to lift them because you have believed the lie of legalism. And it's rooting out and eating out like a termite the peace and joy in your life. The termite of religion and, and legalism is telling you you're not worthy of God's presence and it's eating away at your peace and your joy. Legalism is a lie that has tried to keep people from God from the Garden of Eden. It started there. Did God really give you a rule? Amber and I have a heart to restore broken preachers because I is one. I was one. I probably will be one until Jesus comes and snatches me away. It's probably the wrong way to say that, but <laughs> until I meet him face to face. And it reminds me of Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. I want us to read this. Galatians chapter 6. Verses 1 through 5 says this, Brothers, everybody say brothers. If anyone is caught in any transgression. See, sin is the word for transgression. It just doesn't mean uh, you got drunk too many times. A transgression or a sin is something where you simply miss the mark in perfection. How many has missed the mark in perfection in here? There we go, yeah. But it also was given this idea for those of us who fall flat on our face, Right? Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual, you can always tell the spiritual people because they have a lot of grace. Because it takes grace to restore someone back to where they were. Graceless people rub their sin in their face and say, well, if you would have just done this, shut your mouth. Don't you know that you're off worse off than the rest of us? Come on, somebody. Sister Bucket Mouth. Yeah, Bucket Mouth. We got Brother Bucket Mouth, too. Don't get me wrong. The men are just as bad. We just don't act like it. Come on. Come on, ladies. Say amen. The men are too holy to say amen on that. If any one of you is caught in the let you who are spiritual should. It did not say you should think about it. You should check their credentials first. You should make sure they're not living still in sin first. He didn't call you to be an investigator. He called you to be a restorer. Restore him in the spirit of gentleness. In other words, you cannot force restoration. Keep watch on yourself lest you be tempted. In other words... Even though you're spiritual, even though I've called you to restore them, 
Don't be so foolish as to think you can't be in that same situation. Come on, somebody. Amber and I are committed. So if you're a preacher watching, if you're a person in ministry watching, if you're in this room and you go, Matt, I used to be in the ministry. Used to will die in your life because you still can be. But Matt, I had an affair. Matt, I was on drugs. Matt, I have a pornography addiction. Matt, I have a, an alcohol addiction. Matt, I hate people. I hate the church. I've been wounded by the church. I was called to care for the very people who bit my hand off. Welcome home. Welcome home. You can and will be restored in the ministry if you hang around this house. Yes, you will. This is a house of second chances, third chances, fourth chances, fifth chances. Do I need to keep counting before somebody shouts me down? Six chances, seven chances. We're not giving up on you because unless he's given up on you, I can't do anything but to say, come unto him, all you who are broken and heavy laden, and he will give you rest. You don't have to give up and throw in the towel just yet, baby. Why? We're going to keep you in this thing and keep you fighting. That's restoration right back there. Do you know when people laugh like that? Because they've been through it. They can't help to go, it was me. People wonder why I shout out of the blue and cry and speak in other tongues. And Yeah, you're in one of those kind of churches. We're not ashamed of the Holy Spirit around here. Can, I, can somebody say we're not ashamed of the Holy Spirit around here? Yeah. Now we don't need you yelling in tongues in service. That's that's different. That's different. Yeah. Don't want to scare the heck out of somebody. What's going on? But we're not going to stray away from the Holy Spirit just because somebody might not understand. You know what? The, you know who can give people understanding? The Holy Spirit. The very thing we're worried about running people away with is the very thing that gives them understanding to know what's going on. That ain't got nothing to do with this message. People wonder why we get so excited. Because when you're on this side of restoration, you can look at Jesus. Here, 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 here. You can look at Jesus and you don't worship him for what he did for you. You worship him because he's Lord. You worship him because of his character. You worship him not because of his faithfulness. You worship because he is faithful. There's a difference. See, I don't worship God because God has love. I worship God because God is love. He doesn't have love to give because it's not external from who he is. It's who he is. Did you get that? The good things of God are not external from who he is. He doesn't say, here's love. No, he goes, here's love. <laughs> he doesn't go, here's joy. He goes, I'm here. That's, that's the difference. And when you get on this other side of restoration, you go, God, I'm not worshiping you because of your hand. I worship you because of your face. It's your character. It's your goodness. It's who you are. Is this okay, Brittany? Okay, thank you. She's writing. I didn't mean to interrupt. You see, the process of restoration can be a struggle. Which actually brings me to my text. That was just an introduction. 
Somebody keep me on time, okay? Seriously, keep me on time. Because I can always do part two of part three. <laughs> Mark chapter three, we're going back to this guy with a atrophied, paralyzed hand. Let's go to verse one. I'm going to kind of do some topical preaching here, okay? Then Jesus left them and went again into the synagogue where he encountered a man who had atrophied, paralyzed hand. Everyone was watching Jesus closely. Everyone was watching Jesus closely. Now, who are the people that are watching him closely? Number one, everybody in the synagogue. But even though the Bible says Jesus left them, the Pharisees, the Pharisees followed him to the temple. They were trying to trap him. You see, legalism has a way of trying to follow you into worship. It will tell you, do you know what you did last night? Do you know what you thought about on the way to church this morning? Don't you dare go in there and lift your hands. When you hear those things, I dare you wherever you're at. I don't care if it's in your automobile, if you're driving, be careful. Um, I dare you to lift one hand and say, whether I live or whether I die, blessed be the name of the Lord. I will not allow the legalism to be louder than the voice of the Holy Spirit in my life. If we can ever get to the point where we shut legalism's mouth, you'll worship like you've never worshipped before. You'll find freedom like you've never known before. Now, I'll often say something to you guys that goes something like this, and you hear me say this to you often. I say, I'm going to stretch you this morning. You remember me saying that a lot? I'm going to push you a little bit today. I'm going to stretch you in worship. I want to stretch your theology. I want to stretch the way you look at a thing, particularly if you didn't grow up the way I did. Some of this stuff can seem foreign. It can seem weird. So this morning, I'm going to stretch you a little bit, all right? And I'm going to stretch you with the text here. Somebody say, my strong hand. Verse number five, let's read this. Again, I'm in the, uh, the Passion Translation. We're going to get back to some other parts of the verse, but let's jump to verse five. Then looking around at everyone. I love that Jesus made sure that everybody was watching what was about to happen. He was going to make sure religion is going to be made a fool of today. He was making sure that all the people that say keep the rules of which they themselves cannot keep is about to watch me break a major rule. What was the major rule? You can't work on the Sabbath. And healing someone was considered work. All right? So here's what happens. Then looking around at everyone, Jesus was moved with indignation. In other words, it's okay sometimes to be righteously angry. Right? And he grieved the hardness of their hearts. And he said to the man, Now stretch out your hand. And he stretched. Somebody say, and he stretched. Come on. Stretched. One verse just says, and as he stretched out his hand, it would instantly heal. Can I tell you something about restoration? Restoration is in the stretch. Restoration is in the stretch. This is why on Sundays I will often say to you, come on, let's stretch our faith here today. 
Let's stretch our worship here today. Let's stretch how we're going to believe God today. Because here's what I can tell you. Every time there's been something dried up in my life, every time there's been something that God wanted to do in my life, you know what God expects me to do? In the middle of every person that says I'm not worthy of it, in the middle of every religious spirit, in the middle of every every bit of my religious thinking, God is saying to us, I want you to stretch that thing out because it's going to be in the stretch of your faith that you find real restoration. It's going to be in the stretch of your worship that you find God in a way you've never known before. It's going to be in the stretch of your theology that you're going to find a God you never thought you could experience before. It's in the stretch. Somebody say it's in the stretch. You see... He wants to stretch your serving. He wants to stretch your giving. He wants to stretch your obedience. He wants to stretch your theology. But I'm going to tell you something about theology. Just because you were taught a thing doesn't mean it's a God thing. He wants to stretch your theology. Can I tell you something about worship and theology? You will only experience God to the level of which you worship Him. Yeah, that's true. You will only experience God to the level at which you worship Him. He will not force an encounter with you. You go, man, I don't believe that. How's that working out for you? Maybe not believing that is the problem. That's why I'm asking you to stretch out the withered part of who you are. Some of our worship is withered up. It's atrophied. It's dried. Some of you came from backgrounds that taught you, don't be too loud in here. Don't make a scene. I remember Ronnie Wilson told me one time that she attended a church where they would serve communion. And it's, a, it's, it's different than the Protestant faith, but nonetheless, they, they share Jesus. And during the communion, a woman would literally get down on her hands and knees and walk to the altar. And Ronnie said that her and her mom would sit and judge the woman going, why is she trying to put on a show? Why is she trying to crawl to the altar? Maybe that's the issue in the church. We don't crawl to the altar anymore. Maybe because religion has told us, keep silent. Shut up. Don't do those things. Those things are out of order. You shouldn't act like that. Maybe that's because we've got a withered part of us. And religion has taught us that there's a certain behavior you've got to have if you're going to approach Jesus. Nowhere in Scripture will you see someone approaching Jesus casually. You go, what about Nicodemus? It was in the middle of the night. That's not casual. Yeah? Because religion will make you do things in the dark you never thought you would do. I got a whole message on why he talked to a preacher about being born again, but not one sinner did he ever say that to. Y'all don't know. Because <laughs> if the preachers are jacked up, the sinner ain't got a hope. Hello? Now, so... How do I know what part of my life needs to obey the stretching? Here's how you know. You've got to ask yourself, which part of me is the deadest? Which part of me is the one that's dying and hurting the most? Which part of me is dried up and immobile?
I want you to see something spectacular about how and where and when Jesus performs the miracle. He did it on the Sabbath, in the synagogue, center stage. The Sabbath is a no-no. The synagogue, not on the Sabbath, center stage. Everybody and their mama was there. He called them and said, look what I'm about to do. Why? Because restoration, y'all better get this, you better get this. Restoration will be in the presence of those who don't understand. What do you, what do you, what do you mean, Matt? Well, I, I'm glad you asked me. Restoration in your life will be around the people. Oh, how do I say this? Oh, help me, Holy Spirit. Restoration will be around the people that don't even believe you deserve to be restored. Well, I happen to know. Well, don't you remember when? Can you believe they go to that church? Can you believe? Can you believe I can you believe they quoted the preacher? Do you not know how they can you believe they used to shack up? Can you believe they're over there doing? Can you believe they over used to snore? Can you believe they're over there drinking on Saturday? Can you believe? He will always do it in the presence of people who don't believe you're a worthy Christian. As though our worth comes from our behavior. Jesus did not die to change your behavior. He died to transform your belief. Because if I believe right, I'll start to behave right. I about threw this microphone right over at your face. That was good preaching. Here's another one. Restoration will be in the presence of those who do not believe that it should happen at this point in your life. The only people that put a timetable on your restoration are people outside of you. The other person is the one between your ears. Can I tell you something about Jesus? Notice he did it in front of all the religious people and the naysayers, yeah? Jesus will risk what religious people think to see you restored. See, I've literally heard with my own ears people going, well, if God can love them, and they weren't saying it in a good way. Y'all know. It's almost like they were judging Jesus for loving someone that they considered worse than them. He will risk what other people think for you. He'll risk it. He'll risk them having a bad view of him to get you restored. Why? Because you're the one saying, without him, I'm hopeless. You're the one saying, without him, I can't make it. You're not the one saying, can you believe he would do that for them? I want to tell you something about restoration. It will happen when you least expect it. This dude was just going to church. He was just going to synagogue weekly. I said weekly, not bi-weekly. I said weekly, not every three weeks. 
Maybe your restoration is postponed because you won't submit to the process of church attendance and showing up and being present in the house. Amber, can you go get the car warmed up? I need to, I need to get out of here. As Mama Corn taught us last week, restoration will always happen in the presence of God. That's why our church focuses on his presence more than preaching, more than anything else. Because we know without his presence, even the preaching will not perform what it's supposed to do. Come on, let's give it up for that. Amen. The presence of God is where it's at. Can I tell you what I would have done in that moment? I'm going to wrap up, Brittany, if the band wants to head back up to the stage. Can I tell you what I would have done, Jamie? Jesus says, stretch forth your hand. You know what I would have done? I would have given my good one. Y'all better help this boy preach. Because legalism will always keep the withered thing hidden. It will always tell you, don't you show that. Don't you show them your weaknesses. Don't you confess to anybody that you are struggling with that. Don't you tell anybody that you're a secret alcoholic. Don't you tell anybody that you have a lust problem worse than any man you've ever known. Don't you dare tell anybody that you've been sleeping around. Don't you dare tell anybody that you, that you wish you could leave your spouse. Don't you tell anybody that you've been messaging that woman on Facebook or that man. Don't you tell anybody. Don't you confess that because the moment you confess it, they're going to ostracize you. Don't tell anybody you're gay. Don't tell anybody you struggle with same-sex attraction. Don't tell anybody anything like that because the moment, Jim, you tell somebody, that you're really struggling. They're going to tell you you can't come back to this church. You're not, you can't get back in the presence of God. That you're not worthy of it. So hide that atrophied hand. Hide that withered thing. Hide it. Don't tell anybody. But I want to tell you up in this church, baby, you can bring in the dried up part of you. You can bring it in here and say, God, here's my weakness. Here's my struggle. Here's my sin. Take every bit of it. Transform it. Heal it. Stretch it out, baby. Stretch it out. Stretch it out. Here am I, God. Here's my withered arm. Here's my withered relationship. Here's my withered life. Here's my withered religion. My tried, dead religion. Here's my withered... view of my life I feel so unworthy to be alive God here's that withered part of me here's my withered marriage I feel the Holy Spirit here's my withered parenting God because I don't know how to be a good dad Here's my withered thinking. I feel so bad about my own life. When I look at myself in the mirror, I just wish I could go away. Here's my withered faith, God. I don't even want to believe anymore. I've been hurt by the church. Here's my withered heart.
Can I tell you what Jesus did? Jesus, Jesus didn't ask for the man's good hand. He asked for the man's strong hand. Strong hand. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. My grace is sufficient in the time of the withered hand. I'm making this up a little bit. My grace is sufficient to take that weak, dried up thing. And if you stretch it out to me, I'll make the weakness your strength. I'll turn it into the strong hand of your life. I'll take the thing that's broken and make it strong. So when people look at you, they can say, if God can do it for them, certainly he can do it for me. God can take this withered life. He can certainly make my withered hand my strong hand. I'm going to ask you a question today. Will you stretch out your hand to him? Can you stretch it out before God? Maybe you say, Matt, I have such a sexual addiction, I'm so ashamed of it. Two-thirds in America have sexual addiction. Join the club. I'm sick of the church not talking about real stuff and wondering why people are broken down. Come on. We might offend somebody. You can be offended at a dead church. I'm not worried about your offense here. I want people healed. I want people free. I do not want to entice people with grace and then bind them with law. I'm not going to tell you you can come here and be free and then give you three rules of why you can't. Come on. We're going to learn to walk in freedom in the way we think. We're going to realize, you know what, maybe my theology is not right. Maybe the way I do this life is not right. And God's going to ask you to stretch forth that withered thing in you today. If you go mad, I'm not going to ask you to come up here, but I am going to ask you to stand. And I would dare say it's probably everybody in this room. Is there something withered in your life that you go, I've got to stretch it out before God today. If that's you on the count of three, I want you to stand. One, two, three. Now stretch out a hand. You go, this is representing the withered thing in my life. Say, God, take the withered thing. Come on, tell him. Take the withered thing, God. <laughs> take that thing in my life, God, right now that says it's dried up. And I need you to speak life to it. I need you to speak life to the withered thing in my life. I need you to speak freedom over my bondage. I need you to speak freedom over the thing that's killing my marriage. I need you to curse the thing that's destroying my marriage and my relationships. God, take this withered thing and speak life to it. And he's saying, if you'll just take me, if you'll just take me at my word, I'm going to cause the withered thing to come back into your life again. And it'll be whole. It'll be a testimony. It'll be for my glory. Come on, let's worship the Lord now. Because remember, restoration, restoration happens in the presence of the Lord. So during this time of worship, maybe you slip that hand back up. I'm not telling you what to do right now, but slip it back up and say, here's that dried up thing, God. You go, I got to come down. I need to come down here and worship. You can come in the name of the Lord. And he's going to cause this.
thing to come back to life in you. I declare and decree over your life in Jesus' name that your weak hand will become your strong hand, that the weakness in you will be your testimony. It may not be overnight, but it didn't start overnight. You're going to commit to the process of stretching it out. You're going to commit to the process of seeing God work it out over the next year of your life. I speak life to your marriage in Jesus' name. I speak life over your job in Jesus' name. I speak life into you now. Come on, somebody. I feel the Holy Spirit moving in somebody's life. He's calling you out of darkness into glorious light today. Matt, I need to make Jesus the Lord of my life today. If you go, I'm lost. I'm living in dark sin. I've got secret sin that I need Jesus to come and rescue me out of. Look at my face. There is no shame in this house. We kicked shame to the curb the moment we planted this church. Why? Because shame doesn't happen in my life or my wife's life. And scripturally, whatever happens to the head happens to the body. We refuse to allow you to live in shame in this church. Shame can go back to hell where it came from. So if you go, Matt, I'm, I'm lost. Everybody bow your head. I just want you to slip your hand to me. Say, Matt, I'm lost. I need Jesus. Come on, let me see your hand. Thank you. Thank you, brother. You're not as lost as you think you are, the Lord says. 
You're not as lost as you think you are, the Lord says. Thank you, brother, for that hand back there. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you, sweetheart. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you, brother. I, I believe in you, man. It's going to be all right in Jesus' name. Thank you so much, sister. Five people have lifted their hand to say, I'm surrendering to Jesus. Can you shout like it was your own child? Come on. Come on. The best days of y'all's marriage is ahead. You hear me, Jordan and Emily? The best days of your marriage are ahead. I'm telling you, I declare that over your life in Jesus' name. You're going to find a man inside of you, Jordan, that you lost when you were 14 years old. The Lord says you're going to find a man rise up inside of you that you never thought existed, that you thought was dead. I declare that over your life in Jesus' name. My, 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 my. I curse the spirit of depression. There's a female in here. I hear this so loud. I curse the spirit of depression over you. In Jesus' name, it's not just depression because you're sad. There's a spirit that tries to lorder over your life. And I declare, I command that thing to dry up and die in Jesus' name. You go, Matt, I don't know what you This is, I'm asking you to stretch your theology and believe that God can speak to who you are now. What good is a God who can't help me now? Ooh, Lord, Linda, I see just an outpouring of the Holy Spirit over your life like a, almost a refreshing this thing God's doing in you it's like a spout I see a water spout just flowing over you honey there you go girl in Jesus name Father thank you for pouring it out over Linda in Jesus name in Jesus name mm. Ooh, brother Jim this is rich in it brother Outside of our conversation from yesterday, see, I know how to separate what I've been told and what I hear. See, if Nicole were to say something private to me about her life, I can still tell her what God says about that, even though I have details. We think, well, somebody's just saying that because they know. Maybe because God speaks because you know. And I'm telling you from what I'm telling you with all my soul, that back and forth pulling, the Lord says that's going to cease. It's going to cease. That thing where you feel like I'm off one day on the next, the Lord says, no, that's going to cease and you're just going to be on. You're just going to be on. It's just going to be on. You go, Matt, is it instantaneous? How long did restoration take? As long as it takes. How many is going to commit to restoration in your life? Come on. You're going to commit to hard conversations. You're going to commit to whatever it takes in your marriage. You're going to, but here's the good thing about it. The Holy Spirit is with you now in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Well, uh, let me see that real quick. If you go, Matt, I don't have a Bible or I need something to help me along. We want to give you free resources today. We have an ESV Bible, English Standard Version Bible. Uh, and we have a book called Following Jesus. And if you say, Matt, I need one of these. I need that in my life. You go, Matt, I have a Bible that I can't understand. This is the one you can understand. Amen. If the these and thous confuse the heck out of you like it does the rest of our country, come and get, or the rest of the world for that matter, come and get one of these, okay? It's easy to read. And you go, Matt, I believe the King James is the only way. We got a whole lot of work to do on you. 
Yeah, that's all right. All right. But you can see Lindsay. Come on up here. Lindsay, you can see Lindsay. She's got several of these. You can meet her right down here in just a moment. I just want to bless you according to Numbers chapter 6. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace in the name of Jesus. You are dismissed. Make sure you tell somebody hello on the way out. If you need a book, come down here and get it. If you need a Bible, come get it. I love you all. Will you invite someone to church to be with you next week to experience this glory? Come on, let's do it. See you. God bless.